0: Hey, Tumble listeners, we're proud members of Kids Listen, a nonprofit made up of podcasts for kids. Together, Kids Listen members have made thousands of hours of free podcasts for you. Now we're asking for a moment of your time to make kids podcasts even better. Fill out a quick survey about your family's listening and media habits at kidslisten.org. That's kidslisten.org. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lindsay.
1: And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. This is our fifth and final episode of Life Lab, our series about how tiny life can change everything.
0: In the last episode, we heard about a future where we wear wild new clothes made by biology.
1: We're talking spider silk and mushroom leather. So listen to that episode if you haven't already.
0: But fashion is only one piece of how we could make a better future on our planet. In this episode, we'll tackle the big one, climate change. And we'll find out how a bacteria from a bunny's belly could turn our worst waste into our greatest resource. Well, Marshall, we're here. We made it to the final episode of Life Lab.
1: Yeah. And now, you know, I've taken my team of crack squirrel astronauts to Mars. We've got mushroom pants. We got
0: everything. Yeah. We've really been on a full journey that was totally unexpected. And we're ending with a whole new look. We're like super high fashion.
1: Indeed. How do do you like these mushroom leather pants?
0: It's better than the pants we were in, the sweats we were starting the series in. (laughs) We called it podcaster chic, but really we were lying to ourselves. (laughs) But I want to bring us back for a moment to our new fashion guru, Dan Widmeyer. He said something important about sustainability or the idea of keeping earth and its 7 billion people healthy.
2: Most things are used by some people, not all people. There's a handful of things that all people use. And anything, in my opinion, that all people use is by definition an important sustainability crisis.
0: Dan was talking about clothes, but there's something that we all use even more of.
1: How is there something we use more of than clothes? We wear them every day for the most part.
0: Here's a clue. It's actually a ton of different things that you probably don't realize is made from the same thing. Oil. Oil, like olive oil? No, like oil and gas. The world produces over 100 million barrels of oil every day.
2: Some becomes gasoline to drive your car, and some becomes plastics. Polyester is a plastic. Uh, And then it goes into your clothes.
1: Oh, right, and that's the stuff that means our clothes don't break down after we're done using them. Which is why I'm wearing only mushroom leather now.
0: (laughs) It's not just about fuel and plastics. Oil also helps make the ingredients for a surprising number of things.
1: Like what kinds of things?
0: Like makeup, crayons, candles, band-aids, and even aspirin, just to name a few in our own home. Wow, it really is everywhere. I know, it's incredible that we can make all these things, but there's a big downside.
2: The challenge with it is, all of that starts by pumping oil out of the ground.
0: There's pollution that comes from the whole process, from taking oil out of the ground, transporting it, to turning it into finished products like gasoline and plastic. These polluting gases stick around in our atmosphere and warm up our planet.
1: You're talking about climate change.
0: Yes, exactly. And then when oil goes into plastics and other products that can't be recycled, a lot of it ends up in the environment or in landfills.
1: So like even more pollution.
0: Exactly. But what if I told you that we could make the things we love to use with less climate change and less pollution?
1: I'm listening. Tell me more.
0: Good, because you'll hear more right after this short break. Okay, so I promised to tell you how we could make stuff with less climate change and less pollution. So I talked to Ryan Tappel, a synthetic biologist at a company called Lanza Tech.
2: It's definitely possible that we can play a huge role in solving climate change. Yes.
0: What Ryan's company does is recycle carbon dioxide, one of those polluting gases, and then make it into new things.
2: We wouldn't need to dig up more fossil fuels to put fuel on our planes or make plastics for our toys. We can use our process to make those things.
1: But wait, I, I don't understand. Like, how do you take the gases we don't want and turn it into a thing, like, like a Hot Wheel or something?
0: So here's how it goes. The recycling process starts with a kind of tiny life called C-auto.
2: So Sea auto is a bacteria.
0: That's C dot Auto. Its full name is a real whopper.
2: Clostridium autoethanogenum. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that. C auto it is. So C Auto is the name that you'll hear thrown around all over the place at, at Lanzatech because its full name is very long and we have to say it a lot. So yeah, having a nickname is is super helpful.
1: So what's C Auto? Like where does it come from and what does it do?
0: Let's start with where it comes from.
2: So this bacteria was actually first found in a rabbit? Like a rabbit? Like like a bunny?
0: Yes, one that lived in a laboratory.
2: A lab back in 1994 was studying rabbits and what was inside, like, the stomach and the organs of rabbits.
0: The lab was curious about the contents of bunny tummies, and they found that, like our own stomachs, they're full of bacteria.
2: And what these bacteria do is sometimes can help with digestion. And that's what it was doing. It was just hanging out in this rabbit. Just like hanging out in the corner being
1: like, Hey, I'm Seattle. You guys want to go get some coffee in this rabbit?
0: (laughs) That's your bacteria voice? Why, yes. (laughs) Anyhow, the scientists who discovered it didn't think too much of Seattle. It was just there like other bacteria sitting in the bunny's belly, chowing down on the gasses that built up there.
2: All that was really noted at first was like, yep, this is what this bacteria is and it's capable of of eating gasses as as its food. I bet that came out as bunny farts on the other end.
0: Like little bunny toot toots farting through the forest, <laughs>
1: <laughs> picking up the field mice and making them smell real bad. <laughs>
0: Well, years later, Lonza Tech was on the hunt for bacteria that could eat the planet's unwanted gases. And they found Seattle.
2: That's the beauty of synthetic biology, is when you understand how these microorganisms and bacteria like Ciato work, you can then try to have it make things it would not normally make.
1: Okay, so let me see if I've got this straight. So C auto eats gas and then uses it to make something new that's not bunny farts.
0: Exactly, yeah. When bacteria eat things, they naturally change them into something else.
2: It's like when we eat things, we eat things to get energy. Yeah. Okay, and we use that energy to run around. And
1: what we don't use uh, becomes something you flush in the toilet.
0: <laughs> right. So Lanzatech wanted to change C. Otto's waste into something that humans can use.
1: This is starting to sound kind of like, um, I don't know, like spinning a pile of straw into gold or something.
0: Yeah, synthetic biology is the Rumpelstiltskin of this equation.
2: And so what we can do is kind of put new pieces of DNA in the bacteria that say, OK, in addition to eating your food and also making your energy and building your cell parts, could you also make this other... Molecule that would then we could then use to make plastics or make jet fuel, and the bacteria say, "Sure, we can do that."
1: These bacteria—they sound like kind of nice guys.
3: <laughs>
0: well, they don't actually talk.
1: <laughs> That's too bad. We should do synthetic biology so they can talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, with this, Ryan's describing years of hard work that went into engineering Sea Auto to be part of a recycling system for gas
1: a gas recycling system so like how does all that work
0: I'm glad you asked because we have a song to help explain it
3: synthetic biology programmable dna rewriting the genetic code of organisms in order to solve real world problems what does that mean We start with the factory, emitting gas, burning coal, burning oil, smoke we'd rather not have. It's warming up the planet in a dangerous way, so we must address it now. Yeah, we gotta start today, but what can we do? We need energy too, we gotta get from here to there, but also read air too. And it's true, not me or you, not even with the giant crookin' and glue, the sticky goo that we pump out in the blue. Or can we? What if we could reprogram bacteria to fight climate change? Check it out. CO2, a greenhouse gas. It's heating up our atmosphere way too fast. But we could stop it using science, as you will see. With the process that we call synthetic biology. We can program some bacteria to make them eat gas. Turn those cells into machines that will eat the gas back. But it gets better because you see, eating gas is not enough. With what's left, when they're done, we can make some good stuff. After these hungry bacteria eat the CO2 gas, what's left over can be used to make new, useful things like fuels, fabrics, and packaging. Dang!
1: Wow, I have to say, this idea is incredible. It almost seems too good to be true. So could it really happen?
0: Well, the technology exists now. There's a lot of other pieces to work out, but in theory, it can totally happen.
1: Really? Because... Right now, it feels like we'd have to live in an alternate universe for this to happen.
0: I know, right? But think back. Remember that very first experiment to cut and paste DNA into a brand new organism?
1: The one we talked about in the first episode?
0: That's the one. That was the start of synthetic biology. And it would have been so hard to imagine back then that what came from that experiment is part of our everyday lives now. And maybe we're at one of those moments now where a certain new technology begins to change our lives in ways we may not realize until much, much later.
1: Maybe, and then we can look back to this moment and be like, I knew about this before everyone else.
0: Yeah, so now is the time to learn more about these technologies before they revolutionize our lives. Like Ryan says.
2: It's just asking that simple but really important question when someone says, okay, we made this. Well, how? How did you make it?
0: Now I want to ask the listeners, what questions do you have?
2: We'll give you some time to think
1: about those questions, and in a moment, we'll be back to wrap up our time in Life Lab.
0: So even though this series is coming to an end, Synthetic biology is nowhere near done. It's going to keep going, finding new problems to solve and new ways to solve them.
1: So you're saying that we're not at the last word on synthetic biology here.
0: Yes, exactly. We know enough to know now that synthetic biology is going to help shape the future that we're going to live in. And that's why I want to go back to our very first guest. The future is not happening to you. (laughs) Like, you are part of the future. That's Christina Agapakis.
1: The cheese lady.
0: Yes, indeed. Christina told me there's no reason to wait for someone else to tell you what the future is going to be like. You can imagine it now. And we can be asking, like, what do we want from technology?
1: Huh? I mean, I definitely want climate change to be solved. And I'd even considered bunny bacteria as a way to do it.
0: I agree. But to even know that bunny bacteria could be a solution, you have to learn about it first. You have to know that it even exists. And you have to understand the problems it can solve by asking questions like... How are these problems actually being made? Who is part of addressing them? Who is making those world better? Who is benefiting and who is being harmed? And, and, and is that fair? <laughs> asking those questions will help you figure out what you think and get more curious about the science in our everyday lives.
1: I think most people don't always think day to day about how their clothes are made um, or how their food gets made or uh, how their vitamins get made. <laughs> and so I think there's ways that biology has already shaped that world that we just don't know or think about. Maybe what I hope for the kids in this generation, like, is that appreciation
0: of how things are made like, and of the living world
1: or how the living world makes our things.
0: Science and our lives are tied together. They can't be separated at this point. But our future lives are not decided yet. So every one of us can be a part of that. LifeLab is just the first step. Keep learning about synthetic biology, keep asking questions, and keep being thoughtful. Because you never know when you'll have the chance to make a decision that could change the future. Thanks to Dr. Ryan Papel, Enzymology Manager at Lonza Tech. And thanks to all of our guests on the series who contributed a lot of thinking that helped shape the series. Dr. Christina Agapakis, Dr. Chris Prather, Dr. Adam Arkin, Dr. Sam Weiss-Evans, and Dr. Dan Widmeyer. Also thanks to Dr. Megan Palmer for speaking with us.
1: Life Lab is supported by the Engineering Biology Research Consortium, a nonprofit committed to educating the next generation in building a community dedicated to solving big challenges with engineering biology, with funding from the National Science Foundation under award number 2116166. Special thanks to Emily Orend in India Hook Barner.
0: Special thanks in this episode to Cynthia Mee and Becky McElprang. You can find a transcript and other educational materials about this episode on the blog on our website, sciencepodcastforkids.com.
1: Hear more from Ryan about the science behind Sea Auto on our bonus interview podcast. It's available to Tumble patrons who pledge just a dollar or more a month on patreon.com slash tumblepodcast.
0: Our interns on this project are Elliot Hajaj and Grace Ingram. Eric Kuhn is our engineer and mixer. Sarah Robertson Lentz edited this series and designed the episode art.
1: The special synthetic biology song you heard earlier was a collaboration with Basho Mosco of Basho in France.
0: I'm Lindsay Patterson and I wrote this episode.
1: And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I did all the scoring and sound design for this episode. Tumble is a production of Tumble Media. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery. Thanks so much for listening to that episode, and now that it's over, we've got some birthday shoutouts to give to our supporters on Patreon. Ulysses, mommy and dad love you so much and are so glad you like science. Happy birthday on October 14th. Eleora Saltz, Ima and Papa love your beautiful spirit, and happy birthday on October 17th. Ryan, mom and dad love you to pieces, and happy birthday on October 18th. Isaac Kennedy, happy birthday on October 19th. Keep up your curiosity about science forever. Owen, happy birthday also on October 19th. Keep being curious. Noah Marawi, your mom is so proud of her future scientist, and happy birthday also on October 19th. Reed. Mom and Dad love you, and happy birthday on October 22nd. And Dana, Mom and Dad love you too, and happy birthday on October 23rd. Wyatt Fitz, Mommy and Daddy love you, you're one amazing kid. Happy birthday on October 25th. Riley, happy birthday on October 26th to everyone's favorite science girl. Mommy, Daddy, Brecken, and Buddy love you so much. Thanks to all of you and to everyone who supports Tumble on Patreon. If you want to get a birthday shout out of your own like these fine folks, simply support Tumble on Patreon at the $5 level or higher by going to patreon.com tumblepodcast. Once again, that's patreon.com tumblepodcast.